Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Dr. Amankor and each week we will bring you an important message as we explore how to detox toxic relationships. The aim of this podcast is for you to unlock your own inner knowing, your own inner greatness, so you can know how to heal from the impact of a toxic relationship so you can get your life back on track and live your best life. After all, we are all worthy of loving our life. Welcome, it's um, Dr. Amon Kaur here. So today we're going to be looking at a very interesting question. What happens to the narcissist when they lose their scapegoat? And before we get into that, if you are interested in healing and you want to heal and thrive in your life, you are looking for a healing program that is specific to healing the trauma that is created from toxic relationships If you know you just don't feel right, you don't feel like yourself and you want a holistic approach, you want to master your emotions, you want to master your thoughts, you want to get your mind, body and emotions and your spirit aligned so you can fulfill the life that was meant for you to. Yeah, this is for you. Please go into the notes, look at the resources and you can find the link and get the information and you can apply to see if you qualify for a free one-to-one with either myself or someone in my team. It's really for people who are looking to invest in therapy. This is a paid course, so we ensure that we are aligned. Um, And if it is the right program for you, for your journey at at this stage, we'll look at, you know, helping you and supporting you. So if you're new to this community, always feel free to share because I really want to get this message out to as many people as possible. It is possible to heal. It is possible to thrive. So first and foremost, I'm super grateful for this community and thank you for listening and um, being here today. So now let's get down to what does a narcissist do when they lose their scapegoat? If you are currently a scapegoat or you have been a scapegoat or perhaps you know someone that is a scapegoat. This question does come up a lot. If you or anyone else were a scapegoat, if you've managed to finally step away, that is amazing. Um, But before we go into that, actually, let's look into what is a scapegoat. For some people that don't know what a scapegoat is, this might be an eye-opener. You might actually realise that you are this term called a scapegoat. It's basically someone that the narcissist has in their family system. It could be a partner, it could be a family, it could be at work, um, you know, any sort of group of people. And it's a person... Um, that basically gets the worst of the narcissistic abuse. They use, the narcissist uses triangulation and they often recruit other people in the family and in other members of the family in the family system to actually be more abusive to the scapegoat. Basically, they are someone over time who becomes the punching bag for everyone in the family system Now, it could be that sometimes people are actually nice to you or are nice to the scapegoat, but overall, the scapegoat is subjected to criticism, mockery, humiliation, rage, sometimes physical or other forms of violence. They basically 
used to take on board the narcissist's shame and guilt. The purpose of the scapegoat is to absorb all the sins, all the everything of the narcissist. And in any social group, which obviously is a family, um, there's um, complex interactions that take place in, and everyone kind of has their own roles. So if you have been the scapegoat or if somebody else has been the scapegoat, if that person starts to change, it actually impacts everyone in the group. So this is a really important point to um, take into account and I'll come back to this later. So hold this in mind. What happens is the narcissist will actually target the strongest person in the group. Now when we mean the strongest, it's basically the person that actually can identify patterns of dysfunctionality and they go against those patterns or they question those patterns. Anyone that questions the patterns that everybody else does, someone that's open-minded, someone that's curious, someone that is asking questions about why are we doing what we're doing? This is the one that isn't feeding into what everybody else is doing. They're the ones that are actually you know, they're, they're the disruptors because they're, they're here to help us change and evolve and they can see the dysfunction basically. Even if they can't fully understand that they're seeing the dysfunction, they are seeing the dysfunction because they're actually questioning. Therefore, because they're not just going along with everybody else and abusing and allowing all this abuse to happen, they actually become the trigger for the narcissist. And what happens then is the narcissist gets triggered by them and then the whole group gets triggered by them because they're asking questions and they're actually curious and they want to know more about life. They might be even ask the ones that ask, why am I here? What is my purpose? You know, why are we doing the things the way we're doing it. They're the ones that ask why. They're curious. They want to know how things work, you know, so that they can understand, not because they're being um, difficult on purpose, but they just want to know. So this, the group as a whole have to face the discomfort of who they are because this, the scapegoat is bringing it to the surface. They're actually curious and they're bringing it to the conscious level. See, there's two different levels that we all function at, the conscious level and then the subconscious level. The subconscious level is the area that actually drives most of our activities, like 95% of what we do is based on what the subconscious um, patterns are that we've got in play. This is another really important point that we'll come back to. But the 5% is the conscious level. We're asking why, what, you know, wanting to have more in our life. You see, scapegoats, in essence, are able to focus on the truth of who they are. And they're actually looking at where the true issues are lying. You see, the narcissist and the dynamic that the narcissist has created is that they want the scapegoat to just take in and they want to bash the scapegoat for being the one that can see everything. So, okay, let's look at what happens when the scapegoat actually steps away. It's actually, first and foremost, it's really hard for the scapegoat to pull away from the narcissist and the trauma. 
because the trauma bonding is so intense. You see, what people don't realize is it's harder to step away the more abuse there is in the relationship. Yeah, it's not easy. So let's talk about the scapegoat. To be the scapegoat is basically the person that brings out the most shame in the narcissistic person. So they abuse the scapegoat even more. Scapegoating can happen like in workplaces, in group of friends, or even organized groups. So you you know, some one person is targeted so that everybody else can feel okay. It can be in community groups. It's like one person that's the problem that everybody thinks is, but they're not. So if if there's a scapegoat, there's going to be a narcissist or some narcissistic tendencies going on. You see, the narcissist in some way gets their power from watching people be around them in fear. You see, having a scapegoat is one way of keeping control in the whole system as a whole and keeping everybody under control because everybody's scared of being the scapegoat. And it could be that different people become the scapegoat at different times, but there might be an overall person. They are wanting to avoid the fate themselves of being a scapegoat. Hence why in any cult, there will be this kind of um, thing where people are targeted and everybody targets them. And then the narcissist gets everybody to join in the scapegoating for a number of reasons. The reasons why everybody does that is fear a lot of the times. They just want to keep themselves safe in that system. It's a, you know, it's a way of surviving. It's not because they're bad people as such. If you got them out of that system, then they would have values, etc. But they don't know what's happening to them, why they're behaving in a way that 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 so it's as I said, there's a lot that's going on on a subconscious level so it's it's a normal and natural way of trying to keep safe it's like a reactive response but you have to when we're in a toxic relationship become aware consciously of the dynamics hence it's so important to bring all the subconscious stuff to the conscious level and really work out what the dynamics are because you don't want to be someone that's enabling abuse you know in the future but also you can see how the enablers, it's its so bad what the enablers do as well as the narcissist. Because decent people are inadvertently abusing, you know, the scapegoat. Hence why it's so important to do the work. We need to understand that it's not just to, important to focus on the narcissist, what the narcissist, if you are a scapegoat, just don't bother with the narcissist or the enablers. It's like a whole system is telling you that you're not okay, that there's something wrong with you. And you stay stuck in the dynamic of being a scapegoat. You create a pattern of being a scapegoat. This is really important. It's like you're you're trained to be a scapegoat. There's there's a narcissist that is telling you there's something wrong with you. But then there's all these other people agreeing with the narcissist to try and keep safe that are saying that you're the problem as well, even though they might not think that genuinely. 
Healing is basically you being able to know that it's nothing to do with that group of people, what they're saying about you or what they've told you or what they programmed you to believe. Healing is actually about stepping into your own power, actually going to the truth. Yeah, to be a scapegoat is an absolute terrible way of spending childhood. It means attachment. It means core wounds. It means that there's a sense of safety and um, identity in being the scapegoat, in, in surviving. I know it sounds crazy, but it's like I am still part of the group, even though I'm the one that's always getting things wrong, even though you so you take on identity that you take into your adulthood, which is self-devaluation, you know, issues with self-esteem, self-worth, self-love, self-acceptance. All these become an issue because you haven't been able to be validated. These are all areas you have to work on in terms of being able to move forward. There's no other way around it. Otherwise, you're still going to have all this programming that isn't helping you in your future. It's like holding on to limiting beliefs about the self that cause trauma, that cause symptoms like depression, anxiety, fear around being who you are, asking questions, being your amazing self, or being caught. You know, you have this fear of, I'm going to be caught for not being good enough in some way. So you're always on the lookout of, I better not even bother because I'm going to get it wrong. Or thinking that you're going to get told off, that you're going to get into trouble. All these barriers actually start impacting you on such a deep level in everyday life. It's not something that just pops up here and there. It's actually impacting you every day of your life until you actually start looking at it, bringing it to the conscious level and start actually healing for it, healing it. You don't want to wait for time to heal because it never does. You're just going to end up um, becoming a scapegoat for the rest of your life, always selling yourself short, um, not fully um, reaching your potential because the fear comes in. In the most severe cases of scapegoating, um, when children get older, they could be at risk of dangerous behaviours like self-harm, you know, disordered eating or, or other things. You know, let's face it, let's be honest here. You have an innocent child that is constantly told they are bad. I mean, it's an incredibly heavy, painful legacy to carry. However, there is that million dollar question. What happens when the narcissistic person loses their scapegoat? The scapegoat finally realizes and wakes up that this is toxic and they move out. And when they do get out, oh, it's absolutely amazing. There's, uh, there's nothing more amazing. But what happens to that family, family dynamic, that narcissistic person? And this is quite important. It's really interesting. The narcissist uses the scapegoat to regulate their own emotions, right? They're regulating their own disappointment, their own frustration, their own stress, basically not being able to get out their own way. So they lash out. They lash out at these easy targets because they're not compliant. So they're easy targets 
for the narcissist to actually just take is another form of just constant control. And most people become scapegoats at some degree if you're in a relationship with a narcissist at times. And scapegoating, if you do become that scapegoat, it's because you've become that easy target for them um, to evoke shame and guilt and, and you know, um, let go of their rage onto you. And it's a shame because the narcissist will become is actually available, uh, aware at some level that what they're doing to the scapegoat is actually not okay. Uh, but they can't control their anger. So, you know, in the private home, um, so they keep doing it. In essence, the narcissist knows on a deep, unprocessed level that that what they're doing to the, to the scapegoat makes them a horrible person. But they can't tolerate or... Um, comprehend that the idea that they are a horrible person so they create more rage directed at the scapegoat make out that the not, uh, the scapegoat is even more bad so it's really hard you know for a scapegoat to get out they will try and conform but they will always get things wrong because you've got to understand everyone in that dynamic doesn't want the scapegoat to fix themselves so as a scapegoat, you might be thinking, I want to fix myself, I want to make myself okay. But no one around you in that family dynamic wants you to be okay. You know, that it could be anything. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. I, the most amazing, I love all my clients, but the ones that were scapegoats and are now healing, every single win, the smallest wing is a huge win because what they have been through is like, you know, have you watched some of those inspirational stories where you see people at the rock bottom and then they achieve amazing stuff? Is that, that's what they, it is like watching someone who has been a scapegoat heal to some degree. It's absolutely incredible. Because the struggles that they go through are not just any old struggles. You know, it's, it's, they are actually defeating deep, you know, struggles where they're actually learning to step into their power each step at a time because they have been through so much. And there's just something about them because they're always willing to look at the truth, to seek the truth. They are usually people that are really deep at some level. They have an innate ability to search for the truth. They're like truth seekers. And that's why the narcissist chose them to be the scapegoat in the first place, because this person wanted to see the truth. Now, some of my favorite stories um, of like how people are thriving are for, you know, are the scapegoats that are, that are healing because the trauma bond is so strong in in that it's one of the hardest things that you can do to actually start healing it actually shows that these people have so much courage they're so strong they're so incredible and to actually create distance between themselves and the narcissist so that they can start building their self-worth is absolutely amazing and what they get out of um, healing is absolutely fantastic. Now, this is huge. You know, they're, they're clearing their programming 
each time they do something that is a step forward. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is that if you are a scapegoat and you're making progress, it's like you're brick by brick building your self-esteem and your self-worth back. And you can allow yourself to actually be great again, to be happy, to actually understand who you truly are. You know, that's the thing here. Scapegoats are subconsciously afraid of success. Now, this is really important of happiness. They're actually subconsciously afraid of being happy or being seen to be happy. They're scared of that. You know, they're afraid that it will turn bad. They're afraid of stepping into their power. And it's a really tough way to live. They don't know that they're co- they want consciously, they want to move forward, they want to be successful. But subconsciously, remember 95% of them, like the programming, is that they don't want to succeed. Because if they succeed, then they can't be the scapegoat. And remember, they have been trained from a young age to be a scapegoat. And that is so frustrating if you are a scapegoat. You don't understand why you can't move forward. And you don't understand why, you know, you, you want to move forward, but you you're you can't move forward because there's an there's there's a programming, a deep programming that you have to work through. So okay, so what happens when the scapegoat leaves? Obviously, the scapegoat one has a real chance of healing now, which is amazing. And because there's truth seekers, they can actually move forward and start looking in that. But what happens when the scapegoat leaves the narcissist? The first, first and foremost, the narcissist has to find a new way of regulating. Now, initially, they might lash out at the scapegoat, and you have to be aware of, of that that is going to happen. Even if that you're not there, they will say things like, who do you think you are? Where the hell do you think you're going? Do you think you can make it in the world without me? You know, because they believe that, you know, that, you you know, you're a loser, you know, they'll say all those kind of things. While, um, you know, they might even use social media, they might, um, you might have to block them. At some point, you have to keep focused on not snapping back as a scapegoat. The thing that, the only reason why the narcissist will totally let go eventually is if you don't snap back. If the narcissist then doesn't get anything back from the scapegoat, they will need to find a new person to abuse, I'm afraid. The scapegoat is gone, the narcissist needs to find some new targets, perhaps the enablers that were, you know, being used to devalue you, or they'll find somebody else, you know, to scapegoat. So, um, so because a narcissist needs someone else to yell at and, and make people feel bad about. So this is really important. At this stage, it's really the scapegoat is really vulnerable, because they can probably see that the narcissist is in a bad place. They need someone to pour all the punches, the emotions, the everything into that person. If you have been a scapegoat from a young age, you'll find that you will go into toxic relationships and it's part of the trauma bonding is that you feel bad that the the narcissist is struggling without you. But that's just because they need you to then pour all their abuse into, you know. Um, The other thing is that you might actually feel guilty about them then going on and abusing other people. Don't worry about it. 
you know, those enablers were abusing you as well. So you've just got to move on. You see, you've got to understand that it doesn't matter whether you're there. Nobody, nobody, this isn't your purpose in life to be the scapegoat for a narcissist, to just like take on board all the punches, the psychological punches from a narcissist. That's not you who you're meant to be. You need to be the inspiration that you were meant to be. You need to be that person that you were always meant to be. It's not your job to save them. Your job is to save yourself so that you can save other people's. Be the inspiration that gets up and changes their life and has self-worth that can then be an inspiration to other people to actually get up and heal themselves and actually step into their own power. There is nothing, you know, for you to do. You know, it's an act of courage and humility to choose love over fear. Fear is actually living with a narcissist. It's up to you to actually choose light over darkness. Step away from the abuse in that way. I know it's hard to understand, but you were always okay. There was actually nothing wrong with you. And it's not actually easy to come to terms with that as well. The truth was that there was nothing wrong with you and you do deserve so much better. What you did and what you are doing is is, it's not your job to actually be that sponge that absorbs all this negative energy anymore. It's about starting to practice and cultivating self-love, self-worth, so that you can start moving forward. This is your chance of happiness. This is your chance of living a life that is about having more love, understanding and compassion for yourself and for others around you. It's about you healing so you can move forward, so you can trust and believe in yourself, so you can be worthy of a better life. So if you want to do that, please do get in touch apply for a session and you can find out more on how to move forward. But whatever happens, never give up on yourself because you have it. You have that in you. And the second thing is always be loving, understanding and compassionate towards yourself. No judgments, no criticism and start your healing today. Take care and I'll till next time.